Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Careers of AI podcast. I'm your host, David. And on today's show, we have Gav Paz. Gav started playing jungle drum and bass in 1995. Uh, he studied music at Clarendon College up in the Midlands in 1998. And that's where he became a qualified audio engineer. He progressed to playing reggae on the radio, featuring strictly positive, uplifting reggae roots and dub with the unique reggae mix show in 2006. His radio show was first aired on Unique FM in the UK in 2006, but in 2009, Gab set up PauseRadio.com, archiving all the radio shows that he's made since 2009. Pause Radio is also a record shop and publishes art, artist biographies, new music reviews, and press releases. In 2011, Gav had his first poetry book published. It's called In Heart, Mind, and Soul. And in 2016, his second book, Pause for Thought, was published with Empower. And I'll put links to all of this in the show notes, so don't worry. If you want to go find them, you can. His hard-hitting real-life poetry focuses on life struggles, love, and social issues. So with that introduction, let's welcome Gav to the podcast. The Creatives with AI podcast, the spiritual home of creatives curious about AI and its role in their future. Welcome, Gav. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. It's um, for, for the people listening, we've had a horrible technical issue trying to get all this stuff set up today. So it's a miracle we actually got all this together. We made it. We made but we, it. But we did make it. We did make it. Um, so Gav, I, I met you only a few, uh, a few days ago, actually it's, it's last week, um, through a friend that I have, that I work with in my office, but you've got a, a massively inspirational story aside from, you know, having worked in industry and been a DJ for a long time and worked with music. And obviously we want to talk about that, but maybe if you could give people a little bit of a background about you know, sort of, sort of your story and how you got into DJing and that sort of thing. And then we'll, we'll take the discussion from there. Yeah. So, well, to start off with the, the DJing thing was just to get me off the streets and to keep me out of trouble, um, originally. And then it's progressed further. I, I was lucky to team up with a couple of DJs that were signed to a record label. And I accidentally had to DJ one club night because one of right. the DJs couldn't make it. So I had to pretend to be him. <laughs> <laughs> so well, those were DJ. the days, mate. Those were the only days. like DJing in front of a crowd of a thousand people when you're like quite young, uh, you know, I was like 15, 16, wow. like, and you're getting put in at the deep end. So, and I was just yeah, instantly yeah. addicted from the back of that, but progressing forward um, with that, you know, obviously I went and toured and did a lot of um, clubs and, um, bars and house parties and stuff like that. But, um, awesome. then in 2004, I had a severe, um, brain injury from a BMX accident Yeah, and I had to learn to read, write, walk and talk again. Yeah. And that's so off crazy. the back of that, it is crazy considering that I'm quite literate now, like, um, but off the back of that, it was really difficult because. I couldn't, um, I couldn't do jungle music anymore because I found it too hectic. Right. So I slotted into reggae, which, you know, jungle music is basically based off reggae. Um, so that there's a, like a, a very close correlation of those two. Okay. Um, and then I was given a, a radio show on a local pirate radio station and that's awesome. where my radio show was born. Um, and the, the positive side of reggae has actually helped me heal and 
you know, it's helped with my speech because obviously you're on the radio and you're talking. Yeah. You know, the, the positive messages in the music, it's uplifting. It's got really, um, I would say, healing properties in the frequencies of the music. Well, um, okay, yeah. Things have just built off the back of that. Do you think, not to derail the, the conversation already, but do you think that's, do you think people would be surprised by that? That, reg, that the the lyrics of reggae and stuff like that are all very uplifting. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why I would think that they wouldn't be. I'm just. It just seems. I don't know. Well, I used to be a chef, so right, the interesting right, okay. thing is, yeah, there's a there's a saying. There's a saying: you are what you eat. Yeah. yeah. So if we are what we consume. Then why not with words? Yeah. Well, that's true, and we are what we listen to, I guess, as well. Exactly, because we, you know, music inspires us, it motivates us, uh, it can guide us down paths. You know, we, We're forever learning as human beings, so if we're forever learning, then we're going to learn from what we absorb, from what we consume, yeah. we absorb it. So, And I feel the same with music. I, you know, I don't really listen to anything that's not positive right. um, because I know the power that it has, and words are a powerful tool. Music is a powerful tool. For sure. So can AI, do you think AI will be able to do that? Let's just jump straight in. Can can AI write powerful music, do you think? it's, it's it, I feel that AI is all based off the human experience because it's programmed by a human. So it's only going to take what humans can do and bring that forward to a degree, I would have thought. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion about the the creative aspect. And, and I know... Our friend Keith, who you know, he he feels very strongly about this. That there's no way that AI can capture some some elements of the human experience, even though it has essentially the the entire body of human experience, of written human experience, to draw from. And yeah, it's 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 really interesting to see how it creates music and the way it goes about it. Because a lot of I think music at its core, a lot of it it obviously is maths and it's understanding patterns and those sorts of things. And from a, probably from a pure mathematical standpoint, an algorithm could come up with something that logically sounds right, but whether it tugs on the emotions the or not, I don't know. Exactly. Still gonna, yeah. still gonna have the heart and soul when you're creating music, when you're in the studio, there's, there's that energy going in that you're putting in. Yeah. And I think that's what you lose. It's like, look, when you, when you call a call center and it's those automated, AI messages that's listening, yeah. yeah, you know, it gets frustrating. And I think it's yeah. the same thing with, you know, when you're doing creative work, you know, you, you're going to, I mean, I did a test with chat GPT um, against my poetry to see how well it would phase up to my poetry and line right. up. And it just kept repeating the same words. All right. Right. <laughs> so I don't think it's quite there yet i think the potential yeah. is the potential is endless and in the right hands i think it can have a really positive impact i do but mm. i do worry that it's going to make a lot of people redundant that you know i'm seeing it in my industry in in the dj industry as technology has progressed yeah. the less people need the dj in the definition of yeah. how it was when i first started obviously we've yeah, reached yeah, yeah. through time and we have to adapt, but I do think that there's still quite a way for it to go. And I don't think it will ever get the exact same 
heart and soul that a human would put in. No. So, okay, let me bring it back to where we were in the conversation before. So that that's actually a good point that to I think to jump in on this. So tell us about when you started and what it was like kind of DJing when you started and how, like, how has the technology progressed over the past 20 odd years and, you know, to get to where we are today? Because I know there, you know, and you and I talked about this the other day, there've been a couple of major, I think, steps along the way because it's totally different. Like, and, and I talked to my friend, Mike Russell before, and he's been more like a radio, he's been more involved in radio, you know, and he talked about the fact where, you know, it used to be actual physical DJs in a radio station and they would come in and they'd sit down in the studio and they'd have a microphone in front of them and they'd put 45s on and they had to, you know, go pull them all ahead of time and they had to have their stack ready and, you know, they'd play the songs and they'd talk in between. Whereas now it's all electronic. You know, you can record a four-hour radio show, the, the human part's about 20 minutes and they just record that and everything else is automated. And I, I, I know we talked about this in, in sort of the live kind of the live aspect of it. And so if you could kind of talk about how you've seen it change over the years and, and what you think about that, that'd be amazing. The change has been incredible. It really has. Like the difference from back when I first started DJing where you, you know, as a as a club DJ, I would go to the record shops to go and listen to my records for starters to, to see what I wanted to buy. Yeah, and I miss that aspect. I miss that aspect so much of it. Uh, we call that crate digging, where you're digging the right. crates of records to yeah. find your hidden gems. Right. You know, and we go every Monday when the new releases came into the record shop. There'd be a queue down the road waiting for the record shop to open, and so mm. everyone could get the the best records, basically. And I miss that aspect of it. Uh, massively miss that aspect of it um, because that was not just going and finding your records. It was also a social thing as well. So yeah. you, you're removing that kind of social aspect. And I think that's with a lot of the changes, it's been getting more, uh, more and more where that's been removed from it. So the human experience in it has changed. Yeah. Uh, that was, that, that was what in the nineties, mid nineties towards the, early 2000s was I was still going crate digging you know you go into charity right. shops and see what hidden gems you could find in charity yeah, shops yeah, yeah. yeah so that was such a good good era but we'll never can get you still that. can you still do that today yes or is it the same it's not the same because the yeah. problem with that is charity shops have wised up to oh they might have a hidden gem here they can put it yeah. on ebay yeah. yeah, so you've got that aspect oh, of it. Right. But yeah, also, yeah, yeah. not as many people are getting rid of records because they've already got rid of them. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> there's there's a, well, you know, you, well, you probably know locally there's Evenflow. It's a coffee mm. shop, but they have records and they, they sell records. I've been in there. Like, they yeah. don't do anything that, unless I want to buy Bob Marley, which for yeah. me, okay, yeah, reggae is yeah. Bob Marley, but I yeah. that's too commercial for what I do. Yeah. Um, I, was like, in, I was in the one in... Um, the, the new smaller one in the mall yeah. and they had a I think they had a copy of Pink Floyd The Wall and they wanted 90 quid for it and yeah, I was just like not. yeah no I don't think so <laughs> no, it, it says, but it actually worth an original first press yeah oh I'm sure yeah be, as long as it's in good condition yeah. you know and I mean the price that records are going for now is crazy. Yeah, like, it's crazy. I run the record shop and we've got I have seven inch singles that are thirty, forty pound each, you know, and they're brand new. 
it's just because they're a limited press. Yeah, yeah. They're rare and hard to find, you know? So, I mean, that is a, another aspect that, that's changed. You know, vinyl isn't mass produced on the same level that it used to be, right. you know? But yeah. bringing in a good, a good aspect of this, of how the industry has changed is, you know, obviously working with reggae, a lot of people that are releasing music um, and sending it to me are in Jamaica. Now, back in back in the '90s and 2000, early 2000s, to get that to the record station, it would take time because you'd have to, you know, get your music mastered and then yeah. pressed and then sent to the record stations. Now it's just done in an email. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that is a really good thing because you've got three steps really. You have the step where, you know, in the '90s and '80s, '90s, early 2000s, it was vinyl. Then it progressed through to kind of CD. Then it went on to, you know, what I'd say 2004, 2005, where MP3s were becoming a lot more prevalent. Yeah. And then you've got now where the majority of music, it's kind of flipped. So instead of music being pressed on vinyl like it used to be, it's more on MP3 now. And a lot of artists, right. you know, I had an artist the other day send me his new album that's coming out next month saying, can I have your opinion? And the first thing I said was, is it going to be released on vinyl and CD? And he was like, well, nobody's buying that anymore. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he is correct to a degree, but he's also not correct because people are buying it, but it's specialist. So yeah. having to select people, it's a massively reduced amount. But the problem with that is artists aren't making money from their albums. Yeah. Well, I, was, I guess that becomes, I guess the logical sort of conclusion of that is that what happens is that becomes like a special VIP thing that you release later, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you get the music out in the beginning, you sort of gauge the reaction if people like it and whatever, and then you say, okay, we're going to do a run of 300, you know, or 500, you know, vinyl. Yeah, they're expensive to do, but, but they have a premium price, right? And that's the whole thing. So you say, well, this is going to be a premium VIP sort of thing. So, you know, if you want it, it's a special edition and, you know, get them to autograph it or whatever and yeah, then num you could do it, it that way you know? or or number the numbers it. thing works yeah. like you know having you know say you've you've done a press of 30 having them mm. one to 30 numbered because that's yeah. then it as item yeah. then the price goes up again but it's not all about the price it's all about the quality of the music as well yeah. and yeah. there's a lot of music out there that i call throwaway music where you know, it's not timeless. Like with Roots Reggae, the music tends to be timeless, a lot of it. And, you know, you can play a song from 30 years ago and you still think it's new today because it's timeless. But there's a lot of music being made there that may, not just um, it, probably in every genre where people have forgotten about the tune a month, two months down the line because yeah. the, the vast amount of music as well that's being released. And this is the problem. Mm with the new technology is because so much music is out there, the market's become flooded. And yeah. that's one of the real downsides to this generation of music is yeah. a lot of it is throwaway. Now, um, back in 2012, I had the lead singer of Third World Band come around my house and we did some recording. Well, he came to the, into the studio here and we, we did some recording. Now, I've been in a lot of recording sessions and seen a lot of artists um, lay down vocal, but I've never seen anything like this guy. And he was just one take, song, blah, 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 song right. done. One take, blah, 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 song done. I was like, 
wow, that's incredible. And he said, Gav, in my day, if we went to the studio and we didn't do it in the first take, we'd never get back invited into that studio. So this is why he was perfect in every way. And and that is because they were recording to tape and it was expensive to record to tape. And, you know, so... And that studio time, that studio time was expensive as well, wasn't it? Exactly. And to be an artist, you had to have something special. Now, like I can't sing to save my life. Now I could go in the studio and I could do a song and I could have it released by tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the difference. So the the modern technology, it's good in that sense, you know, and no longer do you need to be like have money behind you to record. Yeah, that's yeah. good because the artists that don't have that, that are not getting the breaks, can record. Yeah. But then Right. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but then you've literally got people that can't sing releasing music. And yeah, it doesn't make sense to you. <laughs> no. So, so to go back a little bit, so obviously you started when it was, you know, 12 inch vinyl or seven inch vinyl or whatever. And then you'd sort of progressed. And then I guess you, but, but from what I remember you telling me before is that you always like to use vinyl and you never progress, but the industry as a whole sort of moved off of vinyl onto what yes. so you did did the mixing boards change and the hardware and everything changed with it so well, all of that technology changed as yeah. well right it has yes i mean you now have an mp3 controller as your as your main dj tool i don't like that i have big hands yeah. i yeah. i like the hand the feel of the vinyl i like that 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 was always part of djing to me was spinning the records and yeah. getting it out the sleeve put it on, putting the, the stylus on the on the vinyl and queuing it up and beat mixing together. That that I that I would never lose that love. Um and I would say I've been left behind to a degree because of that choice of, you know, I, I mean I have a controller here, but I don't like it. It's tiny. It's yeah. it's cumbersome. It's not the same as, you know, queuing up that record, feeling the torque and, you know, in, in, in the turntable and, and stuff like that. Now, the problem I have is they stopped make. you know, every DJ in the 90s had tw- Technics 1210s, yeah? Every DJ. I've right. actually had to buy two sets because they don't make them anymore. Right. You know, so, you know, and I like that old school feel. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, I've done MP3 mixing. I do MP3 mixing for my radio shows. I've got certain processors for doing that. Um, but I still am left behind a bit in that and i feel that has had a negative impact on my workflow it's had a negative impact on where i am positioned in the industry now of course it has you know but um i mean i'm still trudging on and still moving forward and still progressing yeah um but i do think it has held me back some so so where does ai fit into that now like what's the difference with you know, so you so we've gone from vinyl to CD to MP3, and you know we've got these are what the guys have been doing. Up, I, I, so how does AI factor into that, and and what aspects do you think AI where where is AI going to have the biggest impact? Well, it's already having an impact because I was talking to someone the other day, and they're like, "Oh, my Spotify DJ is brilliant. <laughs> my DJ is brilliant." <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, but I'm a DJ. Do you listen to my show? <laughs> oh, no, my Spotify DJ is better. I'm like, yeah. oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I've known you for 15 years, and you're telling me that you, you know, your favorite DJ is a Spotify DJ. And yeah. that is AI. 
you know like i mean there's so many problems that it that it causes ai but there's mm -hmm. so many good aspects too i mean one of the problems that i've i've had recently um and over the past like five or six years is the um, i'm not sure if it is ai but the thing that runs youtube yeah. or seeing whose song that you've got on your youtube channel and then accrediting that person that that's right. classed as ai basically isn't it now Definitely. i've put some of my radio show mixes on youtube and it accredited some of the reggae artists songs to pop artists so it got it wrong Interesting. yeah yeah, yeah. so the pop art you know one of my videos got 1.5 million views so the reggae artist that i played wasn't getting the the royalties for, yeah, and the royalties. for that song being played it was going to britney spears wow was it was it a song that was it the same song or did she sing some part of that song or is it just no, no, totally different totally different wow. totally different and i've had it happen yeah. quite a few times this is why i kind of stopped using youtube a bit because i was like right. well i'm playing these artist songs and they're not getting paid for it someone else's yeah like how is that fair that mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to me which is interesting because considering what Spotify did recently, where they basically stopped paying a whole load of artists for, you know, which, which also brings in your comment about everybody can make music now. And I think that's what was happening on Spotify is they had all these accounts, um, albeit a lot of them were the, I don't know if anybody knows about this, but there's all these ASMR accounts, which is basically like noises, like yeah. someone rubbing their fingers together or someone erasing with a pencil a bag, or... Yeah. Yeah, or whatever, right? And and they record these sounds for like hours and then they would put them up on Spotify. And then, you know, they were playing them or people were playing them and listening to them as kind of white noise, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I never got into the ASMR thing. I'm, I've seen some of the videos. I totally don't get it. But, but anyway, you know, Spotify was losing a lot of money by paying royalties for this sort of stuff or for people who obviously... You know, they weren't a band and they weren't doing something, but they just created a bunch of sound files that they put on Spotify and were making money off of that. So Spotify has done something to try and rectify that a little bit. So there now is a minimum threshold, I think, for, you know, how you qualify to actually be, um, you know, to get revenue from the platform, whereas I think everybody used to get it. And I know YouTube is tightened up. I mean, I don't, I'm not a YouTuber. I don't. I put a lot of stuff on YouTube, like I put clips of these shows and stuff on YouTube and, and I have my own personal channel that I do, which is just a daily diary, but I, I don't do that for views. I do that for practice for me so that I can develop my skill and get better. So I'm, I'm not into monetizing anything, but I do see a lot of videos where, you know, YouTube has been tightening down quite a lot on that as well and changing the algorithm. So I think they're trying trying to get better but yeah, that is from, from a human perspective doesn't it, yeah. it the, the the way that they're getting better is by the humans altering yeah do you know what i mean the yeah. humans control now for them to have started this they it was humans that started it so it's the human error that's kind of come into this because there's always going to you know in no matter what you do there's always going to be some aspect of something that you don't quite think about properly and you know yeah, and i think music has been <laughs> sacrificed a lot you know in yeah. the whole digital revolution that's happened now you know it's like i said it's good in some aspects because you know a, a song is recorded in jamaica and i can be playing it on my radio show the next day that is a really yeah. really good aspect instead of having to yeah. wait three four 
five, six, maybe seven weeks, sometimes mm-hmm. six months yeah. before you get a song that's new, you know? So that has opened it up, but it's about figuring yeah. out if the upsides outweigh the downsides or if it balances yeah. it out. I think about the time that I went on a cruise and I'm try- I was just trying to think of the date when that must have been. That must have been 80, sorry, 90, let's call it 95, um, not 96, 95, 96, somewhere around there, mid-90s. And I went on a cruise and it was a sort of Western Caribbean thing. So we stopped in, in Jamaica and I I remember, specific, and, and since you're, you know, we're talking about reggae music. I think this is relevant, but you know, we had the whole family, whatever. And my my wife and I at the time, you know, we we got in a car, we got in a taxi, and we basically just said to the guy, "Look, we want to go somewhere cool. We, you know, we might want to have a smoke or something. So if you, you know, can you help us out?" And the guy was like, "Yeah, I need to pick up some money along the way, but I, you know, I can sort you out." And I was like, "Okay, cool." What we ended up doing though is we ended up just riding around with him in the taxi all day. Literally picking party in itself. Yeah, <laughs> picking up fares. So we were picking up fares, literally taking them wherever they wanted to go. And we just hung with him all day. But nice. what was, but what's relevant to this conversation was the music, and what was really cool and the thing that stood out the most about this for me was there was so much cool reggae music that I just never heard before because in the U.S. at that time, and I lived in the South, like. The only reggae you ever heard was maybe some Bob Marley. That was yeah. it. You'd never side. heard anyone else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just going just going down there and actually hearing all this other stuff. And if you ask me any of the names, I can't tell you. Um, but I just remember it it did make a massive impression on me at the time. So I can imagine what those artists, you know, back then, how difficult it was because they were like playing to their own audience in Jamaica and the tourists that came down there who went, wow, this is incredible. Can I buy a, a CD or an album or what? And then they take it home with them. And it would be some really super cool music that people would play at a party, but it kind of never went any further than that. Whereas now, you know, going back to, you know, the Spotify playlist and all that sort of stuff, like it's much more discoverable today, I guess, even though there's tons more of it. But there's a problem. It's fishing through it all. It is, yeah. No, it's yeah. the same with my when my book was published. I was like, oh, brilliant. I'm, I'm a published author. But then yeah. you go on Amazon, look how many other published authors there are. Yeah. And it's wading through, yeah. you know, it's sifting out the wheat from the chaff, you know. And that's yeah. that is the problem because when people are given too much choice, then that then becomes a problem. It has a yeah. detrimental effect. Um, and I think that has is certainly in the music industry and you know, in the in the in the publishing industry, like books and stuff, it has a d- detrimental effect because you know not everyone that has the talent is getting heard now. It's whoever's got the biggest social media following or whoever's got the biggest fan base. You know, if you're if you're a nobody and you've written this really great book or you've done this really really good song, how's mm. it going to get out there? Yeah. It's very very difficult because there's so much stuff out there. So. Yeah. Again, it's weighing up those pros and cons, you know. And I, th- I think today it's all about manipulate, not manipulating the algorithm, but understanding how the algorithms work, and then trying to work around it. So I do a lot, you know. I watch a lot on podcasts and and YouTube and all that sort of stuff, just because I'm trying to understand 
you know, how the, the media landscape works. And what's really interesting is, you know, their thought is, is don't get somebody who's really interesting on and have a conversation with them. What you have to do is you have to have your thumbnail built and designed already and your title designed already. And then you have conversations that match those things because that's your what keywords. you're interested in. You, know, you have to have your keywords. And, yeah. And it's almost backwards from what it used to be. It used to be, you know, you, or you had an idea, you knew what you wanted to do. You go do that thing and then you'd create all the assets afterwards. And now you have to create the assets that are going to, that are going to, you know, get highlighted by the algorithm. And yeah. then you can work out the content that goes off the back of it. So yeah, it's, it's totally back to front. You know, Essentially, the algorithm is writing the story. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, we've got all these, you know, search engine optimization and all this other stuff that you can do and you can look. And if you're a YouTuber, I guess, or you're a musician and you want and you want to get as many listens and as many downloads and whatever as possible, there's all these tools you can go and you can use Google and you can see what people are searching for and you can see what kinds of music they want and all that. But that takes the creativity out of it because now yeah. you're making a song to meet a, an audience yeah. need instead of writing an emotion. Like, I don't think Adele thought anything about that when she sat down and wrote someone like you, right? No, like not. that was the, not like, because the song comes first. <laughs> that was never a thought in her head. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that is part of what I'm saying as well. It, it's it's just it's to me it's strange that a creative is being stopped being their true creative, their true self, because mm -hmm. they're trying to fit into what's trending. You know, I've seen it with YouTubers where a YouTuber will, oh. like, I'm sure they don't want to be doing that. I'm sure they want to be talking about history yeah. yeah, because that's what their channel is about, but they're not, they're doing this so they can catch that, the algorithm and get yeah. the views. Otherwise they ain't getting no views. And that's a real problem. Yeah, um, because exactly. it's taking the creative out of the creative and it's you're losing the heart and soul of and the purpose of why you're actually creating. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so we've had a little bit of a break, uh, an enforced technical break, and now we're back. Uh, in part two, I guess we could call this, um, I was thinking about two two main questions, sort of. One is, what are the warning signs? Like, what are you worried about with AI and how AI is going to impact sort of the music industry and music in general? And then, and then what are the advantages? And I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So I let's end on the positive. So let's talk about the negatives first. Well, the main thing is taking the creative out of the creative industry and mm -hmm. people losing their jobs. It's already happening. It's been happening yeah. with DJ, DJing for years. Yeah. Um, and that is a major worry where, you know, people who have practiced their trade for a very long time, you know, got very good at what they do and suddenly they can't get work and then they're going to have to go and work for, I mean, it happened during the pandemic in the reggae industry. Lots of artists had to go out and work for Amazon and Uber and Deliveroo and yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, they've trained to be musicians for 20, 30 years and then now they're not musicians because of that. So that is my worry with AI and massively is it decimating jobs and how, how people meant to earn a living. Yeah. That's, is it really, is it really that good? I mean, I don't, I don't, I haven't looked into any specialist tools to do sort of mixing like a DJ would do, 
And I assume, I guess, there's tools out there that do that. Yeah. Are yeah, they no, are they good? Yeah. Well, the tools that you can buy, so the, the the controllers that you buy for mixing MP3s, you can automate it. It right. just does it itself. So it's taking the DJ out of DJ. And that takes the heart and soul out of it because, yeah. you know, obviously with that, it's a, it's a set mechanism that they've got that does it yeah. and not, you know, it's not the signature. So as a DJ, I've got a signature where, you know, I'll cut the music across with the crossfader. So it's going in yeah. and out of one and the other. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't quite work like that. It's more of like a linear kind of standard thing. So right. it, it means that everything becomes the same, you know, and that's yeah. not good because you're taking that, that personal touch out of it and that is that is a, ma a major worry but it's the the loss the 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 job losses that, mm. that 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 that's all already happening so you can't replace that because once once it's there it's there it's not going to go yeah. away and we're suddenly going to have this resurgence there might be a little bit of a resurgence just like with people purchasing vinyl you know that's massively up nowadays from what it was a few years back so you might get that those little resurgences, but it's not the same, you know. And taking out the human experience of a creative industry, I think that's yeah. quite dangerous to a degree. And how? So people are losing jobs already, like DJs and stuff. So are you seeing a few, a lot fewer opportunities than there used to be, or or like? So many. Are the yeah. people that used to like? What instances? Is that because I imagine that things like weddings and stuff like that, they still have live DJs, or is that something that these tools are replacing because it's cheaper to just get? It's cheap. Yeah, it's cheaper. It's cheaper, easier. Um, you can have it more like like specifically programmed for what you're liking. Do you know what I mean? It's, right. Yeah, it, yeah. it removes a lot of the that that aspect out of it, and mm. I do see that happening a lot. I do see. You know, yeah. instead of getting a DJ to come and do their wedding, they'll just stick on an iPod this time <laughs> with a Spotify playlist. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and in these times as well, when the economy hasn't been that great, people are looking to save money. Why? You know, for me as a vinyl DJ, yeah, I, I would charge a lot for me to go and play at a gig. And this yeah. is why I don't really do gigs anymore because people aren't willing to pay that because not only have you got the AI aspect of it, but you've got all these other people that are haven't done DJing for that long and they've just downloaded some music online. So that's pushed the prices down. So it's, it's actually happened in the same way that the technology has moved. Yeah. The habits of how people, you know, having all these new DJs come through, nothing wrong with that because some of them are very, very good and some of them have embraced technology to the full mm. um, and using it to their advantage. But then... You know, and it's probably people will say, yeah, or oh, you're just out of the time. You've not kept up with the times. But then why should I, when it's something that I love and I'm passionate about, why should I change that aspect of how I do things just to fit with the technology? Because yeah. then I'm not being true to myself as being a vinyl lover and a vinyl DJ. Yeah, 100%. Where do you think, so the, I don't know, <laughs> this is going to, really show my age but where did the like where does the next sort of tiesto or armin van buren or one of that like you know like those are older now djs right like that they, they were like 15 years ago right so let's still get let's, they still get bookings because of their yeah. name 
Well, they they do, but I guess my question is: is where does the next generation of those guys come from? Because I think even those guys back in the in the day, I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, I I saw Tiesto and Armin van Buren back at this this club called um, Turnmills that used to be in London and and around the corner from Fabric. And anybody in the UK probably will recognize those names. Anyone outside the UK has no idea what we're talking about right now, but that's okay. But I think even back then when they were there, I'm not sure that they were even mixing vinyl. I think they were on CD maybe. And that was the early 2000s. Do you think they would have still actually been manually mixing back then? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Probably, probably a lot of those, a lot of the bigger heads and bigger names and stuff probably still do. Still do. do you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, you're able to put your own signature touch on it. And this is where uh, the AI things and the AI assistant and stuff like that it removes that personal touch. Yeah. So as a DJ, you have a brand, you have a style of mixing. It's like yeah. with a, a music producer or a singer, they have their specific signature tone or style. And yeah. I think AI kind of loses that aspect of it. Mm. You know? Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I totally get you. And I guess that was going to be my other question is, you know, if you go somewhere like the big clubs and Ibiza and stuff. And I know a couple of the big clubs have actually closed down recently because, you know, people aren't going as much anymore because, frankly, the, the financial crisis is hitting everybody everywhere. And those clubs are massively expensive to go to. You know, if you wanted a ticket, it was 60 or 80 quid just to get in. And then, you know, on top of that and or more. And so, but those guys, if you were going to be like a DJ, I guess, in residence over a summer season or something, then... You, it would make sense to take all your vinyl with you and something like that, where you knew you were going to have a gig that was going to be, you know, ongoing over several months. And maybe you even lived there and it was local to you or whatever. But that seems like that probably makes sense. But like we said, for anybody that's up and coming, they're not going to have the ability to do that, even if they want to. But then a lot of clubs don't have turntables in now. You bring yeah. your own control. You have to you bring your own. It in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, bringing a controller and a hard drive is a lot easier than carrying, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. 12 hours of vinyl for mixing because that's a lot of vinyl that you need for that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and then there's the logistics of carrying vinyl, yeah. you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, making it easier to, you know, just jumping on a plane with a laptop and a hard drive and your controller, blam, blam, done. You know, it's not like lugging, you know, I remember back in the 90s coming down to London to DJ at a, at a house party in Stoke Newington. And I was on the tube coming down those really long escalators and I had two record bags over over each shoulder, like crisscrossed. Yeah. And I was, I lost my balance and I was about to fall, but my brother called my bag and pulled me back. <laughs> that, would, that was lucky because that would have not been a good time. <laughs> You know, but, you know, <laughs> carrying around that sort of vinyl, yeah. you know, it's not like you can pack up your turntables and then go and plug that into a sound system in a club. It doesn't work like that. It's a lot more difficult in logistic yeah. terms, you know. So, I mean, yeah. it, it is easier, you know, just having it on, on a hard drive and having your music like that. But then there's also the loss of sound quality because if you're playing MP3 mm. over WAV, like WAV files, or MP3 is a compressed file, yeah. Then, you know, you're playing that through a big sound system. You're going to hear a different sound than you would a like a vinyl or a CD or a WAV file yeah. because of the sound loss that's that's done in compression. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that aspect of it. And some of, not all of them, because I don't want to offend anyone, but some of the new DJs that are coming through don't kind of understand that. And I've been in a club back in 2016, one of the last places that I actually DJed live at. Right. Uh, was in Tunbridge Wells at the Forum. And yeah. the DJs before me were playing MP3s on a controller. Yeah, and the minute I went on with my vinyl, the crowd went wild. And the reason why is because the sound quality through the vinyl is a lot better. Yeah. It is. You know, they were playing MP3s. They were, on the bass line, it was squelching because it had been lost in compression. Right. So you've got that aspect to it too. Um, if I was forced where I had to go and play on a controller, I would take WAV files only because you're going to get that better sound. But it's you get still that not extra. in the wall. Yeah. yeah. You get that extra on from the baseline uh, frequencies are there, but you don't yeah. get that that warmth that the vinyl creates. Mm. You know, well that's a because the vinyl's a physical. It's it's started by a physical movement, isn't it? Yeah. And I, and that makes all the difference. And it's quite interesting. It's also like we took my son to his first sort of concert recently, and it was really really interesting to 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 see his reaction to live music. Because, of course, he'd never heard live music before. And seeing a band perform live is totally different than listening to it, you know, on YouTube or, you know, on TV or whatever. That that experience of feeling the bass coming from the speakers and, the and actually and the, the atmosphere, atmosphere well, and the, yeah, the energy of the other people in the room. And um, we actually went to see a band called Heilung, which is a... Uh, it, it's a German kind of Nordic band, and they do, uh, they call it a ritual, actually. Uh, shout out to Heilung. We love Heilung. And, but it's something completely different. <laughs> if you've never heard of them, I'll send you a link afterwards. And, uh, I'll be interested to see that. And you can check it out. But they, it's, it's all very tribal. And, you know, they do sort of a war dance to start, and they, they have a, you know, they kind of purify the, the place. You get a whole experience. Basically. It's a massive, massive experience. It's one of the best. I mean, I've seen some of the best, biggest, biggest bands in the world, Rolling Stones, all that sort of stuff, you know, throughout my whole life. And I went to this concert in Hammersmith in London, and it was, it was one of the top probably five shows I've ever seen in my life. So we've totally ruined him. For, for any other live music because he just went to that and was just awestruck the whole time, which was amazing. Um, because he's got the best out of that, that human he did, experience. Yeah, yeah you know, 100%. The, the, again, it's creating that human experience. It's like if you go and see a DJ live, um, it's so much different from what yeah. you'd see on YouTube or Twitch yeah. or whatever, you know, it, because there's the atmosphere, you know, you're hearing the frequencies, the true yeah. frequencies of the bass lines, the treble, everything. It yeah. creates something inside. And I think on going back to the AI thing, I think this is what AI kind of removes a lot of that yeah. experience. I mean, yeah. the what is it? The the ABBA tour where, is it called Voyage or something? Yeah. That's not the same as having humans on stage. No. I'm sorry, but it's, no. it's not. They're doing it with Elvis now as well. It's just, no, it's just anything <laughs> to make money. That's what that seems like to me. Yeah. It you know, does, and yeah. you know, whereas it might pull in a pretty penny, if for the consumer, uh, the person that's listening, it's not going to be the same as going to see someone live that's actually live on stage that can actually react to the crowd because yeah. you've got that aspect to it as well. Yeah, hundred percent. So, is well to be slightly controversial, is AI the death of live DJing? Do you think? 
No, I don't think there'll ever be a death of live DJing. Personally, I don't. You know, I think there's a balance, but I think the balance is skew-whiffed at the moment. I don't think it's... Um, and I think this is because it's in its infancy as well. I think that's, mm. that has a lot to do with it. I think there has to be a balance struck that benefits both both sides of the coin. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, I think it's, you know, or AI, it's new, you know. I think as it gets better, I think also a lot of people will get bored of it, to be fair. Because and people already are a little it, bit. Yeah. There we go. I mean, look at what happened with iTunes when they released that song where yeah. they um, it was totally AI-generated. <laughs> well, I did, a, I did a presentation a while back, and it was, um, you know, it's sort of the hype curve. And, and I think late last year, we were at the peak of the hype curve. And I think, really, it seems like over the holidays, everybody's had a chance to sort of take a break to step back away from work and all the mania and reading all the articles and all that sort of stuff. And it seems that we're on the downward slope downward into slope. the trough of disillusionment. And I think, you know, there are a few lawsuits that are open at the minute. So, you know, Microsoft and OpenAI are being sued famously by the New York Times, and there's some independent authors that are suing them. There's now a case coming from um, visual artists as well. And... So it's interesting I, to see the results of that yeah. and how that impacts on um, how people think. Exactly. But it's also going to impact potentially on the quality of the models that are trained as well. Um, the cynical side of me says that those people don't really care. All they want is money. Hmm. So it, it's just a play to get more money. Um, it's, not a, it's not an artistic integrity argument. It's a you're not paying for it argument. So I think they'll they'll strike a deal at some point and then everybody will just move on. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. So I think, you know, we'll have some impacts there. So it the the rate at which AI is developing may slow down just a little bit because of access to data. Um but it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. Where do you so where do you I'm conscious of time now because we're we're pushing on a little bit. Where do you see the positives? So there's, there's so many positives. Like I'll take an example. Uh, we don't use much AI in pause radio now. I feel bad that I think that we should do with, with mm. the pause radio website. Um, but one thing I did do is I did some tests where, you know, we do a lot of uh, PR work for, for reggae artists where we write biographies, we write reviews and press releases. Now, for a new artist, I wouldn't have been able to do this because there's not enough information online for a new artist to write a biography. But I got some old school artists and I I got AI, chat GPT, to write a biography for them. Yeah, And it was scarily accurate apart <laughs> from the name, the birth date and the birthplace. So obviously I still had to go through and edit it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But when I put those on on the website as a test, and I've only done two as a test, and they got a good number of hits, you know, mm. and it's still getting hits now. And I will use AI in future. And yeah. I'm sure there's other aspects. And this is something that I'm kicking myself with because because I'm a little bit behind on the times. I'm sure there's other aspects we can kind of implement AI into Paul's radio that will benefit me. And as a, yeah. a sole trader, you know, I think AI can be massively helpful to my business doing jobs that I can't really afford to get people to do. 
Yeah. You know, like menial jobs. I can't think offhand, but I'm sure there's stuff where that I can implement that will benefit me and yeah. take some of the pressure off me so I can still create my radio shows, you know, manage the shop, you know, and do all the other things that I do and, and have AI doing that. So this is the positive side of it is it can take away, it, as, as a small business owner, it can save me money on yeah. instead of having to employ somebody. And yeah. I think that's something I really need to look into in the next like five, six months, you know, down the line, maybe this year is implement some of that and see what can benefit Paul's radio for the better. Yeah, and there's uh, there's so many tools, um, and there's so many things, and so many ways. I think where where other people that I've talked to have seen a lot of um, advantages through automating processes that you couldn't really automate in the past, but now the AI or machine learning or whatever it's just the tech behind the scenes, but everybody's calling everything AI these days. But it's just a series of APIs, really. But you know, you can connect and say, well, if I if I drop a post in here, it could even be a Google Doc or something like that. And you can say, if I add a new Google Doc, then the system sees the new Google Doc and then it takes that content, puts, you know, sends it to ChatGPT, says, edit this, takes the results of that, puts it into a different file. Then it, you know, creates 10 social media posts, put that, sends it to your social media posting tool, schedules all the posts. Like, it can create That's music so for those. It can create images for those posts as well. So it can go off to Midjourney or Dali or something like that. And it can say, create an image based on this article or this post. And then it will create an image. And then it will take all of that stuff, put it together, put it on the... Pl like, it's insane the amount of stuff that you can do if you really, you know, spend the time to dig yeah. into it and all that. But it's... I think that's where those jobs are going to come in is it's going to change from people doing those individual bits of work to, you know, kids like, like my son, when he starts to, to work and he gets into the workplace, like, I don't know if he's interested in this, but I'll just use him as an example, but he could be one of those people that could learn how to set up those processes for businesses. So he would just turn into a consultant or he would work for a company that could just set up these really complex workflows that would then automate the whole process. So you just have, you know, you have one author who writes one story and then that's it. Once once they submit that story or they just save it as a, all they have to do is save it as a document. And as soon as they save it, everything's that's done. Such a positive. That yeah. is such a positive for yeah. for like for me, where what I'm finding is because of the there's I don't really do the live DJ gigs anymore. I don't have that income. I'm having to do other things. And then mm -hmm. because of what happened with the economy, um, uh, I, I hate to say it, but Brexit kind yeah. of did damages very much. And yeah, because of that, I then had to set up the PR company to make up for the money that we lost through sales of uh, going to the EU because we yep. lost, what, 96% of our sales. But I'm always finding that I'm That's spread cool. over so many yeah. things. It takes me away from the creating that I want to do. Yeah. And that is a problem. So if I can you know, implement AI into everyday processes that I do to take some of that away from me so I can get back to the creating, that would be fantastic. And and I think that's what I need to look into. And that's what, you know, at the start of this year, I thought, right, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I always have plans for, you know, the year, I always have plans for, you know, the next five years, like that, that kind of thing. And, you know, implementing more AI would be, I think, beneficial to me because it yeah. will help me um, have more of a, kind of creative get back to the creative side of things now 
we already have like automation with our shop side of things where you know we have this abandoned cart plugin where if someone yeah. abandons their cart on the shop it then you know waits a bit of time and then it says okay they've not purchased that they send them an email that kind of automation so having more things like that to you know bring in traffic and to bring people back if they've you know forgotten oh i forgot the type i put like 100 pounds worth of vinyl in in, in my basket on paul's radio mm -hmm. oh i got an email look and they're offering yeah. me this fantastic yeah. you know yeah no uh, that's fair enough you know, implementing more things like that i think would be very beneficial and one of the things that really really i'm kind of kicking myself for Back in 2013, um, my old web developer said, oh, what do you want to design for? Do you want to design for uh, mobile or desktop? And because I'm always on desktop, because I'm in the, yeah. the home studio, the, I said, oh, yeah, let's design on desktop. You know, we'll, you know, mobile, yeah, but let's yeah. focus on desktop. <laughs> I'm kicking myself for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I can't get left behind with AI because I learned my right. lesson then. I learned my lesson then because that... Yeah. In, in the Penguin update, that had a massive effect on mm. us because we couldn't just change the website straight away because we didn't have the funds to do it at that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so the Penguin update really punished us because that was then focusing on, you know, if someone was searching on Google on their phone, it would show them mobile responsive yeah. websites first. And, and so the Penguin upside, update really, really did cause damage to our traffic, yeah. you know? Um, I think yeah. if I can implement ai more into and not get left behind like i have done previously then i think it's just gonna you know it's a win-win situation and i think that's a positive yeah. you know 100 percent. and some of the design tools will be really good at that because you you will be able to design for whatever and whether you do mobile first or web first or desktop first and then you can say i need you to i need you to also design this for mobile and it it makes that transition a lot easier i mean i i use a tool that is really called Webflow to, to design web pages and stuff, but I always do desktop first, but it has all the different breakpoints in it. And so it's really easy to see. So you can check all the stuff as it goes along and it usually needs a bit of tweaking and you have to move stuff around and it doesn't always look right, but it it makes that process quite simple. But I I never can get it to work exactly the way I want it to. So I would love to have an AI where I could just say, okay, can you just make this look okay on mobile <laughs> and it would just do it. So yeah. Eventually we will have that. And I do believe that it will, yeah. it will get better because it's all yeah. a, a part of a learning process. So, yeah. you know, it's just like as whoever's right, you know, back in the, in, in the early two thousands when people were designing websites, it's only as good as what the person's input in, you know? So as more input yeah. is put in, as more learning is done, then obviously it's going to get better. Um, like I think that as as human beings, you know, embracing this is 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 a good thing, but also throwing caution to the wind at the same time. Yeah, I think is is advisable. Um, like, but it's don't tough, get left behind. Yeah, yeah don't tough, get left behind. It? Yeah, because it's not nice being left behind. <laughs> no, it's, it's striking that balance is really, and I think this is what a lot of these conversations are about. Is that I've had is is how do we strike this balance between you know, still making progress and moving ahead, yet not moving too that, quickly that we that we break everything along the way. And who decides know. what what balance is right? No, yeah. Well, there isn't that's any. The that's, the, thing. that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I have 
I have some questions that I usually ask people sort of towards the end of the podcast. Can I ask everybody this? So my new question for 2024 that I'm asking is when you use AI, are you polite? Do you say please and thank you? Do you, do you want to be the honest truth? Yeah. That would be totally truthful. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I had to um, contact um, a very well-known sports brand that I'm not going to mention because I don't want to give them advertisement. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, and it put me through to an automated system and yeah. I would go mental at right. it because all yeah. I wanted to do was speak to a human being. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it drove me up the wall. Mm. <laughs> but like ChatGPT, if you're just using ChatGPT on your own, do you are you polite to it like like you're talking to another person do you and do you say I've done hey. a lot of tests so yeah. I've tried all everything I've tried yeah. everything because I want to I'm curious I want to know how these things work like mm. I say I don't want to get left behind again so yeah. I've put in loads of different things into ChatGPT um I've tried being polite I've been horrible to it I've been medium I've been standoffish you know you just <laughs> got to test these things out to it. see how they are you know yeah the reason I ask this question is is because I read an article where there was a lady who was talking about when she gets the um, code assist, the co-pilot tool to help her fix code. Like she might have something that's not working for whatever reason and she'll put it in there and she'll use the debugging and whatever. And she said she has this sense of gratitude when it fixes stuff for her that she but would normally... I know, but but she still has the feeling of because that's what the feeling of gratitude comes from you, not from the other thing, right? But that's so, what's in her heart. So yeah, that makes sense. So she feels the gratitude, but she doesn't know what to do with it because normally you would be like, "Oh my God, that's so amazing! Thank you for helping me with that. I've been working on that for eight, blah, 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 right?" But she's like, "I can't do that, or should I do that?" And I just thought it was a really, really interesting question. And some people I've talked to. Again, this is this is not this sort of the results are similar to this other question I'll ask you in a minute. But it's there. There seem to be two camps. But in this question, it seems to be about seventy or eighty percent of the people at the minute seem to want to treat it politely, like it's a person, because everybody seems to say that when they take over, at least they'll go, "Well, he was nice to me." <laughs> that's that's interesting. <laughs> and I'm not going to kill them because that. they were nice to me. I don't see it. I don't see AI as being human. Yeah. There's no human. There's no yeah. human in AI for me. So you know, it doesn't matter how I speak to it. I don't. Mm. I, I'm probably that twenty percent where yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like a human to me is is yeah, yeah. one that's face to face with me, or I'm on the phone, or or whatever. Yeah. Like say on Zoom or whatever, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, having that human element there. Yeah. That's a lot different to me. Whereas, whereas AI, I don't class it as human. I never will do. Like it doesn't matter yeah. if they're killers; they'll kill us all anyway. It doesn't matter what it's got stored in its memory <laughs> banks. <laughs> so I guess there's no point in asking you if you think it's male or female. Um, I would think it's it's a they them, other they them. Okay. Or it prefers not to say. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you have, or not if, but when you have your AI personal assistant that does all of those tasks for you, like pays your bills and does all the stuff that you don't want to do, what do you think you'll call it? Well, everyone's either called John or Dave, aren't they? So it's called John <laughs> or Dave. <laughs> so it's male. Yeah, so it's male. There you go. Possible, possible. <laughs> you see, I find it very hard to put a huge, to, I think it's very kind of, 
not dangerous, but I think it's very strange to put a, uh, yeah. a human element to these things. It's like giving a, giving a cat or a dog a, a human name, you know? Those are creepy. I don't I, understand that. No, it's really creepy. It's it's really creepy when people. Like why would you that. have a cat? Why wouldn't? Why would you have a dog called Gary? And why would you have a exactly. cat called Katie? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. They're not no, human. Don't give it a name. <laughs> right. Um. Thank you, Gav. That was awesome. That was an amazing conversation. Let's let everybody know. So I know. Um. Let's make sure that everybody understands that Pause Radio is P A U Z E, right? Yes. Radio. Dot com. Um. And your books can be found on Amazon. So pause for thought. You can buy it yeah. on the website, and okay. um, it's better it's better buying it on the website. Don't buy it on Amazon. I mean, okay. you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on Waterstones. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, the the book is also on my website as well. Um, pause okay. for thought, spelled with a Z again. As well. Yeah. So all reputable booksellers, but please buy it directly from the yeah. website. Don't buy Amazon. <laughs> awesome. And is there anything else you'd like to to promote, or you've have you got anything coming up that's coming up? Well, recently, I've soon? just started buying twenty twenty four vinyl stock, like reggae stock, for the website. So okay. I'd love to plug my record shop on the website. Go on there, yeah. pick up yourself some deals. We are a very reasonable priced vinyl shop. Awesome. Um, we ship all over the world. That's not a problem. Okay. Uh, and yeah, we are, like I say, promoting the vinyl, promoting the book, promoting my radio show. Those those three things are the main things I'm working on at the moment. So thank you. Brilliant. Okay. Well, and I'll put links to your social media handles and stuff like that. And obviously to the website and, and links to everything will be in the show notes when this comes out. So sure this is Monday. This will be out this Friday. So people don't have to wait too long to uh, to catch up. But yeah. Awesome. That was an amazing conversation. Thanks very much for your time this afternoon. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Cheers. We'll speak to you soon. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Creatives with AI is a proud member of the AI Podcast Network. To stay up to date with current episodes and show information, subscribe to their newsletter at podcastnetwork.ai. And don't forget to follow the show on your favorite podcast platform so you'll always get the episodes as soon as they're available. Thanks again for listening and stay curious. curious. curious.